You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, Locked On Cardinals fans. It's another crossover today. We're crossing over with Bryce Patterick of Locked On Rangers. We're recalling the events of the 2011 World Series, where these teams have gone since then, as well as what 2022 looks like for these once World Series foes. It's going to be a fun one if you're a Cardinal fan. Stay tuned for a fun episode of Locked On Cardinals right after this. What's up, baseball fans? Welcome to another special crossover edition of a couple of Locked On shows. I am Lucas Smith of Locked On Cardinals, joined today by Bryce Patrick of Locked On Rangers. Bryce, how are we doing today? Yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's it's been ten years since I, I don't. I'm not sure if I'm going to commit to because on my show I normally have a bit of committing that I commit to pretty strongly that the Rangers actually won the 2011 World Series. But I yeah. feel like for this show actually talking about it, it's going to make it pretty hard to commit to that bit. But we're we're a decade past. I'm still not over it. I never will be. Give me a hundred decades, and I'll I'll still never get over a lot of things from this World Series. But you know, I'm I'm happy. To, I think it's the first crossover that we've ever done. Yeah, yeah, I think it is, and it's going to be a great one because we'll, we're going to have positives for both teams in here. You mentioned the World Series. We'll talk about that. But you've got some jabs to get in on, on your own right as well, talking about trades a little bit later on, some former Cardinals lit, lighting it up for the Rangers. But you know what? You mentioned about it. Let's go ahead and get right into it. And I'm just going to get this out of the way now. I have this on my desk with me. I just want you to see it. It's the World Series DVD. Um, j- just so we have physical proof. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. Physical proof that the Cardinals did, in, did indeed win that World Series. But I guess we're going to start... my ju- own proof, which is... Uh, oh, there we go. Over there. This is the 2010 pennant. Not the 2011. I don't even <laughs> want to remember that. The 2010 was great. That was like the honest-to-goodness start of my fa- my baseball like fandom like obsession. Because I started watching yeah. every single game in 2010, and you know things went really well for the Rangers. Obviously, the World Series wasn't as, as bitterly lost. Like Looking back, I'm like, that's a really random... like. Giants team to lose to, but it was some even year BS. So like I can you know <laughs> wash my hands of it. But 2011 definitely brings up some strong memories. But that was, man, that was one of the best World Series of all time. And it, it sucks so hard to be on the losing end of some of the like greatest games of all time. Like I mean, yeah, I've done that. Like I was at the uh, I'm an Alabama fan, obviously, uh, and I was at the Joe Burrow uh, beating Alabama uh, game. It was also an old timer and not very fun. But no. I was also at the the first Bama versus Georgia national championship, which was also an old timer. So I, I know what it's like to be on the good end of of an all time series. But this this is not the good end for the Rangers. No, and you know it, it's bare minimum. It's one of the best game sixes of all time. You know we'll get into game six probably in a little while. But you know this Cardinal team is one that wasn't even supposed to be anywhere near the, the World Series, let alone the postseason. Uh, you know, everybody kind of knows the story of being ten and a half games back in first place on, I believe it was August 28th, um, you know, climbing the mountaintop in a month, beating the NL's best team that year, the Philadelphia Phillies, beating a division rival in the Brewers, and then going up against a Rangers team. You know, they talk about it in the World Series DVD, and I don't know what you thought about it at the time, but these are two teams that really matched up pretty evenly. At the time, the Cardinals had a lineup that favored having a DH in the American League. We saw that with Alan Craig hitting a home run in Game 3. And it was just a the definition of an even series throughout, and that's why it went seven games. 
Yeah, I, I just did a ranking of the top teams of all time and the or the top Rangers teams of all time, and I went back and I looked because I mean there were some pretty good teams in like 2016, like that was a pretty solid team. But looking up and down this roster, like this might have actually been the best. I, I think I ranked it as the best Rangers rotation, which is wild because the Rangers had a year where they had you know peak Cole Hamels. They also had peak you Darvish for like about half the season but this this Mm -hmm. rotation everybody in this rotation had ERA plus of 100 or better I mean from CJ Wilson Colby Lewis Derek Holland Matt Harrison Alexi Ogando like and the pen was was aces too I mean there were a couple of 40 year olds in there and Darren Oliver at age 40 and Arthur Rhodes at age 41 didn't have as great a season but um that was just a really deep team. Obviously, they could have used a little bit deeper of a bullpen. Mark Lowe, every person named Lowe is, is dead to me. Um, but, you know, like, that was – and the lineup depth was just incredible. I mean oh, – Unbelievable. I mean, Ian Kinsler was having a monster year. Adrian Beltre had Josh Hamilton, Nelson Cruz. Michael Young was bringing it that year. And you also had Mike Napoli, who was just absolutely crushing it. If not for that wretched game six, probably would have been the World Series MVP because the guy had a monster season. I mean, an OPS over 1,000 while playing catcher slash DH slash whatever. And also – pretty solid david murphy year like this this team had like the starting lineup they had the defense they had the pitching the bullpen the bench like it was just this was one of the best teams this is the best team in rangers history and it 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 just goes to show that in baseball specifically it comes down to who's playing their best baseball at the best time again you know the raiders had some great games and ron washington talks about it again in that world series dvd that he brings up a good point especially in game six that was i think he had three or four errors in the first five innings you know the rangers were trying to put away a world series championship the cardinals were trying to stay alive but at the end of the day you know we all know their heroics will get into game six in a little while but i, I kind of want to go game by game a little bit here and game one game we'll, we'll, we'll go groups of games actually we'll go games one and two you had the alan craig and alexio gondo storyline of craig having basically the same base hit <laughs> in the same exact spot almost in the, in the game and in the situation everything about it was just so bizarre and craig was somebody that you know had a nice couple of years after that um after that season, but those those two games really started his Cardinal legacy, and it was so bizarre to see Alexio Gondo kind of show his human side, because you mentioned he had a great regular season. He also had a fantastic American League Championship Series coming out of the bullpen. Um, obviously, the Rangers go ahead and win game two based on some Elvis Andres and Ian Kinsler speed on the base pass, but Alan Craig kind of stole the show in the first two games in St. Louis, and I think that that was really, you know, the first two games in and of itself were exciting, let alone the next five. Yeah, uh, Something that I just completely forgot. Uh, I was speaking of Arthur Rhodes. He pitched for both teams this year. I completely forgot yeah. about that because I, I know he wasn't pitching for the Rangers. And I saw him in this World Series, and I'm like, oh, look, there he is on the Rangers. I'm like, wait a minute. He, he's on the Cardinals. I completely forgot yep. about that. Also, the extreme year of the Lugie, he pitched in 19 games, only eight and two-thirds innings during the regular season for the Cardinals. Man. Yeah. Lefty specialist. Gosh. Those were the days. Yeah. But this that, is, that, that's just peak Tony Arusa right there. It, that's really, all that it is. really is. But like I think the thing seeing the name Chris Carpenter sends me into a white hot rage because of <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to the rain delay that wasn't a rain delay. It was stupid um that um was the fix in from Major League Baseball. We'll get into that. But man, he was he was pitching out of his, his mind that that whole series. I mean yeah. you're without your ace. Your clear ace. You also, I mean, you had future a future Rangers ace Lance Lynn on the <laughs> roster, but um, clearly things didn't go as well with him in St. Louis as they did in Texas. 
Yeah, you know, Lynn is one of those guys that's kind of similar to Craig. Got his start there in 2011. He gave up, I think, back-to-back home runs in Game 6 to Beltre and Nelson Cruz, I want to say. Um, but, you know, going back to the point you talked about, Arthur Rhodes pitching for both teams in the bullpen. And both these bullpens, you know, they blew up a little. Both of them blew up a little bit in Game 3 in addition to uh, Matt Harrison and Edwin Jackson, who started, or not Edwin Jackson, uh, Fernando Salas, who started those two games. But both these bullpens were really locked down. And I think that this is a great example. A reason that it was such an all-time series was that you had two bullpens performing at their best. And like you mentioned, they weren't on the young side either. You had a couple 40-year-olds for the Rangers. You had Arthur Rhodes for the Cardinals. Octavio Dotel was a huge member of that Cardinal bullpen that really, especially in the National League Championship Series, really shut down the bat of Ryan Braun of the Milwaukee Brewers. But once you got to Texas, you saw the pitching duel kind of go out of the window unless your name was Derek Holland. Because Chris Carpenter, um, Kobe Lewis, Jaime Garcia, and C.J. Wilson all pitched phenomenally in St. Louis in games one and two. In games three, four, and five, obviously the game moves to Texas. You see the offense bust out. You see the heroic performance of Albert Pujols in game three. But I want to hear your thoughts and what your memories are of game four and Derek Holland really shutting down the Cardinal offense that game. My God, I remember game four because before before Derek Holland turned into what he is now, which is kind of – well, he's always goofball. He's, he's a little more, slightly more problematic goofball that I don't love as much as I did. But, like, I really loved Derek Holland. Like, that was my guy. Mm-hmm. And I remember very vividly, this was my senior year in high school when I was watching this. And I, I was, I went to this, this, I was already, like, a rabid fan. And this girl that I liked invited me to her church. They were having a watching party there. And so I watched this game <laughs> with my crutch at her church. And Derek Holland did that. And I was like, this is the greatest day of my entire life. Nothing can go wrong. The Rangers are going to win the World Series. The Mavs have already Perfect. won the NBA championship this year. Like, the Cowboys are going to get their crap together, and everything is going to be amazing in DFW sports. Well, it didn't quite work out that way. And I will, one of the many things, I love Ron Washington, I still do, but there are a couple of unforgivable things. And one of the unforgivable things is after Derek Holland goes out and pitches this, not starting him in game seven will always make me lose my mind. Now, Derek Holland mm-hmm. is the most Jekyll and Hyde pitcher. Like, what I think of as a number four, he is, like, the best version of a number four starter. That some games, they'll go out and they'll do this. Like, they'll go eight in the third innings, allow two hits, two walks, no runs, strike out seven, the biggest stage, look absolutely nasty, and then the next day they could go and crap the bed and not make it out of the third inning. But, like... I don't know. Just riding that high, I felt like you got to ride the hot hand. you just got to ride the hot hand. And clearly they didn't, and clearly it didn't go well. But that, that game is, like, one of my favorite baseball games of all time, which I never think about because of all these the things that happened afterwards, obviously. Well, we've got, we've got a little bit of time left to talk about those things. We've got a couple of historical performance I want to get to. And I'll talk about Albert a little bit more, and then we can't end this discussion fully until we talk about Game 6. But before we get to any of that, Bryce, I want to make you happy a little bit. I want to give you some good news, okay? Because if you're like me and you're a sweet tooth, but you still want to stay healthy, there's this item called the Built Bar. It's the time of year where we're starting to give up our resolutions, but you can still stay healthy with that delicious treat because a Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All Built Bars are covered 100% in chocolate and including their item called the Puffs, which is a protein-infused marshmallow. That sounds delicious. I mean, how do they and do it? Can... That's just like Built Bar magic, <laughs> like a protein-infused uh, you know, marshmallowy bar that's covered in 100% chocolate. Like, uh, there's some science or magic there at work. Maybe it's a little bit of both. 
It's a Built Bar Magic similar to the Cardinal Magic that was used in 2011. But uh, you can go to Built.com right now and scroll through the incredible flavors as well as check out how most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, and no protein. So Built Bar is the way to go. So go to Built.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15, that is L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. Use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So we talked a little bit about the Derek Holland performance. I'll I'll save you just for a few moments to start preparing yourself for Game Six. I'm already I'll talk ready. about. I'm already. Ready. I'll talk about. I'll talk about Game Three first because Game Three, I think, as historic as it was from an Albert Pujols standpoint, gets forgotten because of what David Freeze did just a couple of games later. But Albert Pujols was hitless in every single at bat in Games One and Two. Um, he had a pretty solid NLCS, so you're wondering where his bat was. And he comes out there and hits three home runs, the first player that had done that since Reggie Jackson of the uh, New York Yankees, at the time one of three players to have that feat. And he hit some bombs, one of them off of Alexio Gondo that hit probably the eighth or ninth deck in Arlington or something crazy. And then obviously the home runs um, off of Darren Oliver and Marco Gonzalez, I want to say was that left-handed reliever's name. But just a historic performance from Albert Pujols that, like I said, gets forgotten because the final score was something like sixteen to eight. Um, Mike Gonzalez, but you still have Mike Gonzalez. Thank Mike you Gonzalez, very much for that Darren correction. Oliver, and was the lefty and uh, Alexio Gondo, yep. which yeah, like just this one didn't hurt as badly because like, I mean, like you said, Albert Pujols was like eerily quiet because this is at this time Albert Pujols is the monster, the hitting machine of the generation, like the right. most da- one of the most dangerous offensive players of all time in his prime. And the Rangers kind of shut him down for the first couple games. And I'm like, so, so, something's going to happen. So, something bad <laughs> is going to happen. And Albert Pujols is going to do it to us. It doesn't matter if it, nobody else, like there's going to be one game where Albert Pujols goes off. And if you can survive that, then like, Good lord, you're definitely winning it. But like Adrian Beltre also had a really good game this game. He had a four hit game, um, had a double off of Lance Lynn. I mean, Michael Young and Nelson Cruz, they did their best to try and, you know, keep it close. Michael Young had a couple of extra base hits, a home run and a double as well. Nelson Cruz also hit his seventh home run of the postseason, which that guy who gets too much crap. Um, while we're on the, the subject of 2011, I got to briefly bring up the fact that, I mean, obviously, like Nelson Cruz, we'll, we'll get to game six in just a second, but he gets the crap for missing that play and not playing no doubles def- defense. And Rangers fans are like, oh, I'll never forgive him for that. Well, you know, the Rangers aren't in the World Series if Nelson Cruz isn't on this team. No. What he did no. to that historic Detroit Tigers pitching staff multiple like hall of famers on that staff and he made them look childish and hit the greatest and onlyest walk-off grand slam in MLB postseason history with the lamest call from Joe Buck I've ever heard in my life I, I you know sometimes I think you know maybe I'm being too hard on then I'll go back and listen he's like and it's a walk-off grand slam and I'm like dude this is never something that has never happened in Major League Baseball. Any time that happens, that's a miracle because there's been so many freaking baseball games of all time. Like anything that's like new and never happened before, like that deserves like a, I'm crapping my pants kind of a call. And Joe Buck is just like eh, I weakly tinkled down my leg kind of a call. 
Well, I think everybody from every fan base somehow has has a reason to hate on Joe Buck, and maybe it's because he started out as a Cardinal broadcaster. But I have no no problem with Joe Buck. He's gotten better I, I as the years have gone on. I have a problem opinion. with him. That's my that's like my only thing. I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you some for that, and for some obvious. Like, I can't blame him for being a little bit like. You know, part, it, it felt as a Rangers fan that he was a little bit partial to Cardinals, which, like, how can you not be when your dad's, like, you were raised Cardinals? Like, that takes some mm-hmm. some real getting to, like, to be neutral. And he probably did do a pretty good job from the neutral's perspective. But that, that one call will right. always bother me, and he can never go fix it. But he has been better since then. Anyway, let's get into yeah. the worst baseball game of all time, Game <laughs> 6 in 2011. Um, well, you- yeah, you, you, I'll, I'll let you have the floor first. I talked about Albert, so I'll let you give your your experience um, for for Game Six first. You go ahead. Um, I'll start with this. I did not enjoy it. I, I did not <laughs> like it. It was the most nervous I've ever been at a sporting game, wherever will be. Uh, mm-hmm. It about killed me, and every time I see any clip from it, even the good clips, like it still gives me PTSD, and it always will. And that's kind of the nice thing, the fun thing about sports. They're like, wow, I've like care so much about this but like mm-hmm. even looking back because it's been so painful to even look back at all it's just like oh wait i kind of forgot that colby lewis started this game and that uh <laughs> derek holland pitched a little bit in this as well it's just like there's all these yeah. little things that i've tried to suppress and like the like offensive barrage from beltre and cruz with those back-to-back home runs off of lance lynn and josh hamilton's home run in the 10th inning when i still had hope for humanity and i thought that's it this is it he did it he did it josh hamilton god bless him and all the things that have happened since um have not been quite as good um but it's just i i don't even know what to say about this game it sucked also, right. Mitch Moreland was terrible all series, which hurt my heart because Mitch always <laughs> has a special place in my heart. Offensive threat, Ms. Mitch Moreland, as we refer to him as um, as now. But, yeah. gosh, this is I rough. think, th- And it would have been, like, especially you mentioned the Josh Hamilton moment. That is, like, typical Ranger, right? Like, he like he was the guy at that point. Like, he would, like, mm-hmm. if anybody was going to save their season and win the World Series, it's going to be Josh Hamilton. Mm-hmm. You know, at least from, from an outsider's perspective, and especially that he hadn't hit a home run that entire postseason series and all these different things. Uh, but it ended up just just being, you know, not in the cards. He had a three game, three RBIs, a pair of runs. Like, he was, he did everything he could in that game. But he, he at that point, only had a 700 OPS, which for Josh Hamilton is, mm-hmm. is pretty low, especially since the season before he hit 359, which is just wild. Right. He never tame anything close to that afterwards. But just, ugh. All, all these yeah. details are escaping me because I have tried so hard to purge them from my memory. But just the back yeah. and forth and the back and forth, every single inning, like every every inning there was something. Like every inning you were on the edge of your seat. Like this really is one of the all-time great baseball games. And it really sucks so hard that it didn't go the Rangers' way. The only thing that would have made it more historic would have been if it was a game seven. That, 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 that's it, right? Because it was game six. One one person was going to win. One person was going to was going to lose their se- lose their season. And you know, obviously, all those little details don't get remembered because it gets remembered as the David Freeze game. I mean, talk about a storyline as well. You have David Freeze who almost quit baseball or who did quit baseball at the time. Excuse me, hometown kid, grew up a Cardinal fan. He ties it in the ninth. And then you have Lance Berkman tie it in the tenth, who is Stupid again a longtime Cardinal killer with the Houston Astros, Big Puma just doing his thing. And then the very next inning, you have 
um, David Freeze, hometown kid, winning it again. Um, it was just one of those things. I remember when Hamilton hit his home run, I was 11 years old at the time, and I just remember burying my head oh in the couch gosh. and just absolutely <laughs> sobbing and crying because that Contrary to you, I had lost all hope in humanity as an 11 year old watching this game. Had and then just fast forward. Had you a World Series during your lifetime? When I was six, so I don't. I have no memory of that team. You know, of actually watching this team. <laughs> uh, but still, I. And then you know, a couple of innings later, you have the jubilation. And then Game Seven, Rangers come out there right on top of their game and getting a, a run, if not two, in the first inning off of Carpenter, freeze. Who, who else ties it in the bottom of the first inning with a double to left center off of Matt Harrison? It was just a game, a series, like you said, that went back and forth. It was a heavyweight fight, and you mentioned Joe Buckler earlier. I honestly forgot the the game seven. The Rangers took the lead because I just remember it being. Oh, yeah. I just remember being hopeless because after that, I mean, how can you have hope for anything after that game? It's like, yeah, no, it, that's it. I mean, like, there's still a game seven, but like, mm-hmm. no, that's it. It's in St. Louis. <laughs> And then, especially once the stupid rain delay that wasn't even raining, it wasn't even raining. They caused, called it pre, like preemptively, and then it didn't end up raining, so they could get Chris Carpenter on the mound for a game seven. And it was like, I felt, I still feel that was like the wrong move. Obviously, there's no grand conspiracy. Maybe there is. Maybe there is. I don't know. Uh, I'm not inside baseball's front office to know that. But it just, it felt so personally wrong i felt so personally wronged and i still do to this day and i'm sure many other rangers fans do and i'm sure anybody a part of that team feels especially like personally wrong by that decision like they just that that, you see what just happened to the rangers like at least let them get their one advantage of not letting chris carpenter go on like moderately short rest as opposed to like mostly short rest like it's just so well you forget earlier in that postseason season um Chris Carpenter went on short rest in Game Two uh, against the Philadelphia Phillies in the Division Series and just got absolutely just got, just got beat. I think gave up four or five runs in that start. So it was one of those things that you know when the Cardinals made that decision. A lot of you know looking back on it, a lot of people were saying, "Why would you start him on short days rest?" You know, two weeks after he did not perform on short days rest or three days rest, whatever it was. But obviously, we know Carpenter gives up two runs and then doesn't give up anything else. Six innings after that. If it wouldn't have been for a hanging curveball that David Murphy hit for a double, he probably would have gone seven, if not eight innings. Um, but it was, you know, it was a, it was a typical Chris Carpenter type start, uh, just mowing down hitters, and he was just on it. And Chris Carpenter, one of my favorite all-time Cardinal pitchers, maybe not one of the best all-time from a Cardinals perspective, but one of my favorite. And I'll finish up the World Series talk talking about Jack Buck. You mentioned that his father was a longtime Cardinal announcer, Jack Buck. And he had one of the greatest, you know, he had an homage to his father in Game 6 of the We Will See You Tomorrow Night. Jack Buck did that in 1991 when Kirby Puckett hit the home run. And this might be biased, but of all the World Series that Joe Buck has done, his call for the 2011 World Series championship is one of my favorite. What a team, what a ride. The Cardinals are World Series champs in 2011. And for me, it was one of the most enthusiastic calls one of the great calls and a great call and an all-time call for me for an ending of an all-time great team in an all-time great world series so that that's you're you're we're done we're, we're, we're not going <laughs> to torture you anymore about talking about the world series that's the last thing i'll say i love joe buck's call in game six and in game seven that's the only last last thing i'll say about the world series oh yeah that was an all-time <laughs> series and um and and definitely 
a lot of things happen after that that makes that makes the the moment hurt worse um but you know <laughs> you, can, you can bet the rangers will be back in a world series and you know if you want to bet on something big on something well i guess joe buck's not calling it dang it that would have been a really nice transition if joe buck was calling this a bet on a big event that joe buck is not calling a different sport you can go to bet online they bet online has you covered this season with more odds props and lines than ever before as football continues its march to the big game this weekend BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. If you were a betting man, Lucas, who would you be betting on in this Super Bowl? I know I'm going with the Texas hometown kid. Uh, did you know that this Texas hometown kid is, is friends and grew up with Clayton Kershaw? That's right. It's Matthew Stafford. <laughs> you know what? I think this is going to be a great game. I just really like the momentum that Joey Burrow and the Bengals are on right now. So if I were a betting man, I would place bets on the Bengals. Yeah, and either way, this is going to be a solid game. And, you know, it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, these two teams headed, well, I guess they were both pretty competitive for quite a while after after this. This was right in the middle of their run. This is kind of still the beginning of the Rangers' run. They had only just made the playoffs for the first time since the turn of the century the year before, and they made it to the World Series. Their first two playoff runs in the new, I guess, old now era, they made the World Series, and they never won another playoff series since then, which makes life that much harder they i was about to say they haven't won a single playoff game since then but that's not true they did win a couple i think in 2015 um against the blue jays but then lost in that stupid tragic upsetting Oof. game five in 2015. Yeah, that was a bad way to lose yeah but the thing that makes it hurt worse is that like is that adrian beltre this is the this is the chance for adrian beltre to get his ring he is an all-timer right. he is beloved he still wasn't a rangers fan favorite in case in case you you didn't know there's some history about the rangers in 2011 Beltre wasn't their first choice um, going in, in after the 2010 season. He wasn't their first choice in free agency for a big fish to hook. They wanted to bring Cliff Lee back because they love Cliff Lee. He helped lead them to their first ever World Series. They sorely needed some pitching help, and, um, you know, they whiffed out on Cliff Lee. He kind of strung them along a little bit and then decided, you know, he wanted to be close to home for his, his family and, you know, respect that decision and really glad the Rangers didn't end up signing him because like oh I guess we'll settle for Adrian Beltre who becomes the most beloved and one of the best players in franchise history and the Rangers clearly had a pretty big window after that the last couple years have been really rough for the Rangers they've absolutely bottomed out and obviously they had a phenomenal offseason look like they're in a really great place coming up but I mean what, what happened with with the Cardinals has happened with the Cardinals in the decade since then obviously you won I think one more World Series, so um, just totally spoiled rotten. But what all has been been going on in the last, I guess, decade? Wow, since that so, World Series happened. Loaded question. The Cardinals went to the World Series in 2013, but did not win. Uh, that was Boston Strong year with David Ortiz winning the, the MVP, new Hall of Famer David Ortiz. Uh, so they lost that World Series in six games. But yeah, that was. You I know, do remember similar to the World Series. 
<laughs> now you now you remember why you enjoyed that World Series. Uh, uh, no, the Cardinals had a, a tremendous amount of success. They made the National League Championship Series in thirteen and fourteen, three straight championship series. Uh, made a deep playoff or not a deep a playoff run in twenty fifteen before being dismantled by the Cubs. But that twenty fifteen team arguably was the best one of the three that did not go to the World Series. Um, they had won a hundred something or hundred. I think they won exactly a hundred games, and it was just you know. The start of the Cubs dynasty there, but then the Cardinals went on a three-year playoff drought in 16, 17, 18, while the Cubs and Brewers kind of battled at the top. Oh, three and whole then years, Cardinals, oh, my, my mind. I know. I, I, didn't, I don't know what I was doing with myself. <laughs> I was, was mind-boggling. Uh, but in the last couple of years, you had Mike Schilt take over, and he had some a, a large amount of success making the postseason in 2019, winning the division, making it all the way to the National League Championship Series, losing to the eventual World Series champion, um, Washington Nationals, excuse me. And then in 2020, with the COVID year and everything, they found another way to make it to the postseason and lose to the Padres. Just talked to Javier Reyes on my show uh, on Wednesday. And then last year, make it to the postseason and losing to the Dodgers. So it's still been a large amount of success from, from the St. Louis Cardinals standpoint. They've been able to get the big names. They got Mosello Zuna a couple years ago. Obviously, that didn't work out uh, long term. Then they were able to get Paul Goldschmidt, which has worked out long term. And then get Nolan Arenado on a trade on an absolute fleece. Wasn't the, as well wasn't as the Goldschmidt trade of absolute fleece too. I remember it being being really good. That one's borderline. That one dep- that might take a little while to pan out because Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly were the two pieces sent over or two the two main pieces, excuse me, sent over to Arizona and Carson Kelly did have a tw- 19 to 20 home run season right thereafter. But still, and I mean then, Paul Goldschmidt is like yeah. the the best first baseman in like that nobody really thinks <laughs> about or talks about. Yeah. But like he's just like Mr. Guy. That is like he is one of my all-time favorites because he is a Texas. I can't remember exactly where in Texas he's from, but I know he went to Texas State and was a guy who, mm-hmm. like, I mean, everyone has, like, the, the, like, nobody bet on me. Nobody thought I could do anything. But, like, this guy went to Texas State, like, the seventh or eighth biggest school in Texas. Not really thought of as right. a, he, oh, God, he's from the Woodlands, which is just outside of it's like the fancy part of, of Houston, which made me regret immediately saying that I liked him. But, um, you know, he was an eighth-round pick um, of the Diamondbacks. And the guy was like, all right, I don't know, this guy is, like, fine. He's not really that good at anything. But just became great at everything and in all time, mm-hmm. like, just proving everybody wrong kind of guy. And, like, is just one of the most well-rounded first basemen that I think I've seen in this generation. And um, love his, his success story. Hate that it's with the Cardinals now, but, you know. <laughs> you know, he's one of those guys, I, I think he and Nolan Arenado do fit, and Jeff Carr, as I mentioned a lot on the show, will hate me for saying this, they do fit the Cardinal way. Jeff Carr of Lockdown Reds hates that, although, you know, shout out to Jeff Carr. Um, <laughs> he, they, they, they fit the Cardinal way. They go out, they do their business. Hold on. I don't think either one Hold of them. Hold on. How is he not an all-star this year? He finished sixth in MVP voting, like had a 30-home run a- season. Like, and, Paul Goldschmidt he, never has a good first half, ever. Very rarely, I should it's say. It's still insane. So. Like, I always yeah. love looking. He hasn't been an all-star since coming to St. Louis, so maybe that's the Cardinal mm-hmm. way. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the Cardinal way is winning divisions. I don't know what the Ranger way uh, is. The Ranger uh, way but is, anyway. is sucking really bad um, right now and then spending a whole bunch of money and then causing a lockout. That's that's the Ranger way. But there is something, I mean, this current Ranger team, well, I guess the last last year's Ranger team, is, is really painful to talk about. There is one thing that I, I got to thank you for that would have made me, like, this season made me very depressed. Like, it's it's one of the most depressing right. seasons that I've experienced in baseball, even more so than in 2020 when there was, like, you know, 
COVID shortened season and the Rangers decided to be trash, which, you know, again, if your team ever does go into the full rebuild thing, I don't know, I guess you've got such a competent front office and, you know, good ownership that is willing to spend and go do things that you haven't had to go do that full teardown. But I would encourage you, if you do decide to start the full teardown, starting it in a 60-game season is very helpful to kind of ease you into the pain. I mean, it... The full 162 of being absolute trash is definitely not advisable, but the 60-game mm-hmm. skid, like, slow drop-off into madness and sadness you can where you can see it coming, like, it did help a little bit. But the one at the end of the season, the one, well, he wasn't really that great at the end of the season, but one of the bright, only bright spots for the Rangers this season was Adolis Garcia, a guy who <laughs> both the Rangers and the Cardinals had kind of given up on, but the Rangers acquired mm-hmm. him before the 2020 season, played in three whole games, seven plate appearances in 2020. I honestly don't remember a second of him playing in 2020. And the Rangers <laughs> wanted to put him on their their roster before the season, um, but uh, non-tendered him, and uh, he passed around through waivers, and nobody claimed him. For the start of the season, he wasn't didn't make it opening day, waited a couple weeks. Lily Tavares was absolutely terrible, and then the Rangers bring him up, and he is an absolute firecracker for two months, one of the best players in baseball for a two-month stretch, and becomes an all-star. Now, mm-hmm. what is his future? I don't know. I don't think he might not be an all-star ever again, but he's at least a solid player and a real fun player. Do you remember many of his moments? Because he only played... He only had 17 plate appearances and 21 games with the Cardinals in 2018. Do you remember anything about his time there? I really don't. It, it, it was one of those thought processes that the Cardinals had at, at that time, a loaded outfield prospect pool. You had Dylan Carlson, Adolis Garcia, Harrison Bader, Randy Rosarena, mm-hmm. another outfielder that the Cardinals gave up on that is uh, shown to be, you know, at least in two, year, in two seasons, shown to be a mistake. But I really don't remember much of Adolis Garcia. I remember him lighting it up and thinking, oh, man, here's another outfield that the Cardinals uh, messed up on. But I do think that the Cardinals' outfield talent right now of – Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Dylan Carlson more than makes up for that. Uh, but it was nice to see Adoles Garcia find success in Texas, just like Lance Lynn did a couple years ago as well. So uh, the Cardinals, you know, trying to repay the debt that they owe the Rangers, I suppose, for ripping the hearts out of so many Texas Rangers fans, I suppose. There's going to be need to be, like, three MVP-level players, like, that are sent <laughs> over. I mean, like, you, you send me, like, a, a new Albert Pujols from age 20, then, then I might start <laughs> forgiving. I mean, I love the Lance Lynn... And, uh, you know, there was a thought that after his current contract with the White Sox was up that he might come back to Texas because he loved the time in Texas and they treated him really well. And they decided not to trade him at the deadline in 2020 because his wife, I believe, was pregnant and he wanted to, you know, keep his family in one place during that. So they respected that and waited till the offseason to trade him. But, um, again, much thanks for those guys. I mean, Adalis, real great breakout season, absolutely fell off a cliff the last couple of months of the season, which I don't blame him. I also, I, I got to admit, my, my podcast quality and my level of happiness during the shows also fell off a tank once Joey Gallo left, um, and I will never, ever be the same until, God willing, he, he decides to come back um, out of a personal favor to me because we are such close, great friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, the, the Rangers spent a... A ton of money uh, in this offseason before the lockout happened, and we'll see if that provides any success moving forward in 2022. If we even see a full season in 2022 remains to be seen. We freaking better. Uh, regardless, like, I, this, we better. Whether yeah. the Rangers are going to be good or not, I don't know. They're not going to be unwatchable, and that is the one thing that I'm most thankful for, the one thing I wanted most mm-hmm. this offseason. Get me somebody, some, one person, all I wanted, and I, I got more, but give me one person <laughs> who makes me watch every game, and it gives me a reason to be excited about watching Texas Rangers baseball because 
when you don't have that, oh boy, it gets depressing real fast. Yeah, uh, well, Green Rangers definitely have that, especially up the middle on the middle infield. So it should be a, hopefully a fun season for Texas Rangers fans. I know that Cardinal fans are excited for their season as well. But Bryce, regardless, I, I hope it wasn't too painful, you, painful for you to start, but I appreciate the time. I'm glad we were able to get this crossover set up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's almost more painful to, to talk about a 2011 World Series than it is a 2021 team that was absolutely uh, doggy doo-doo. But, you know, remembering that the Rangers were good at one point helps me believe that at one point they will be again. So great talking with you. Um, where can the, the folks listening to Locked on Rangers find you and your work, Lucas? You can find me on Twitter at LJFastball. If you're watching on YouTube, it's right down there. And you can also find the Locked on Cardinals podcast anywhere you find your podcast as well as on YouTube, and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. Bryce, why don't you do the same for Locked On Cardinals listeners? You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick as you're watching on YouTube. You can see it there, and on Twitter, you can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Thankfully, we got the Rangers account um, with no underscore. You you feel my pain for having another show <laughs> with your exact same name. Yes, we're the baseball, uh, baseball Rangers and uh, not the New York Hockey Rangers, but thanks again for taking the time to, to talk with me, and um, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad that somebody enjoyed that 2011 World Series, even if it wasn't me. <laughs> well, I, I definitely did enjoy it, and I will. Um, I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but I am just going to show this one more time. Keep watching on YouTube. <laughs> uh, but thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Until we talk to you next time, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day. <laughs>